Good morning. I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles to the letter of 1 Peter. And we are going to be in chapter 5 of 1 Peter. First Peter chapter 5. So uh, just at the outset, just aware now that we are uh, coming to the final stretch of our study through this letter. And I, uh, in preparing this week, was just reminded of, uh, of just how well we have been served by this book. How it has affected us and shaped us uh, as followers of Christ and as a church and And so I'm just uh, hopeful and prayerful for the final messages in this book that they will will shepherd us well. 1 Peter chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. This is God's word. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder... And a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. May God bless the reading and preaching of his word. Seminary professor and biblical scholar Tim Laniak spent many, many months observing and researching modern-day shepherds in the Near East, living with them and watching them as they cared for their flocks. He made many observations, but one of his observations in witnessing how these men constantly prepared for and planned in ways to protect the sheep in their care, he said this, one of the ironies of shepherding in the wilderness is that while flock animals are physiologically suited to arid wastelands, they are completely defenseless. In these remote regions, sheep don't have sharp teeth or claws. Their eyesight is limited between 10 and 15 yards. The animal's only natural defense is their instinct to huddle or flock together. Isolation spells sure ruin. The only reliable source of security comes from the shepherd's presence. A flock cannot be left alone. Here, 
in our text, the Apostle Peter turns and addresses the elders in the churches that he writes to. And it is not by accident that he turns to address those elders immediately following the section that we studied last week. And where he encourages and pushes the church to be ready and prepared for suffering. When trials, when persecution is on the horizon and there is suffering that is to take place, Peter intentionally addresses the leaders of the church. See, this text is meant to call pastors to their sacred task of caring for God's flock in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. This is God's word to elders, to shepherds, to encourage them and and the church in his provision for them. This text reminds us that God's provision for the church in view of increased suffering are pastors who are after God's own heart. The main point for us this morning is that God, God calls ordinary men to an extraordinary task. And he promises them a glorious reward. In verse 1, Peter sets the pattern for what is to follow the Christian when he follows after Christ. That suffering always precedes glory. This is the pattern that we have witnessed in Jesus himself. And this is the pattern that guides the church and its leaders to live in a particular way when suffering is before them. Suffering is the pathway to glory. We saw last week in chapter 4, verse 13, Peter says, Rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when glory is revealed. So at the outset of our text this morning, Peter declares that elders are needed to care for the church When suffering is on the rise. So, church, this morning, God's word is for for the pastors of the church. God means to address the elders through Peter of the churches of his day. And God means to address the pastors of this church today. So while this, this text is not directed immediately at the rest of the church, I, I encourage and invite you to eavesdrop this morning. Sometimes we do our best listening that way. <laughs> but notice that Peter addresses this letter to the churches. This letter was passed around, circulated among the cities to the churches and meant to be read aloud just like we're doing this morning. And so Peter turns to address these elders, but he does so in earshot of the rest of the church because the church has a responsibility here. You, church, are responsible to pray for, to encourage, to hold accountable the pastors 
that God has given you. And while this is addressed to the pastors themselves in how they are to care for God's flock, it has all sorts of implications for any role of leadership. The reality is when I was studying this passage, most of the application that I felt personally had to do with my role, not as pastor, but my roles of husband and father. So church, I invite you this morning to listen in as I address my brothers, as God addresses me. I was tempted to have the pastors that are here just sit right here in the front row this morning. But I'll I'll let them rest easy where they are. And Kyle is serving uh, another local church this morning, filling in for a brother. So, church, you need to, after this morning, as many as possible, text him, message him, let him know that he must listen to this message. So, verse 1. Peter turns and he has an exhortation. A charge to the elders of the church. And then in verse 1, Peter does something that is pretty remarkable. He charges the elders of these churches as a fellow elder, a fellow witness, and a fellow partaker. Peter, the apostle. The rock on whose confession the church is built. The one who walked and talked personally with Jesus brings himself to the level of all pastors. So that he identifies humbly and in solidarity with these brothers to encourage them in their task. He speaks to us. Pastors, this morning, as a fellow elder, as a fellow witness to speak of Christ's suffering, and as a fellow partaker in the glory that is to come. So we have just a few questions to answer this morning. Very simple to get the main thrust and points of this text. We're going to ask the question, who? We're going to ask the question, what? We're going to ask the question, how and why? First, the who. Who are those who are to called and tasked with shepherding responsibilities of God's people? Jesus deeply cares for those who he has purchased with his own blood. And Jesus means to provide care for his sheep. And so... Jesus calls and brings forth spirit-filled, spirit-gifted, spirit-called under-shepherds to carry out his care for his flock. Men are called to steward this care for Jesus' sheep. God, God just calls ordinary men, ordinary men, and calls them to an extraordinary task. To care for his flock. Notice that Peter addresses the elders 
in the churches. This letter would have been passed around to many churches in the cities that are mentioned at the outset of the letter. And it identifies in each of those churches elders. Every time the New Testament uses this word, elders, uh, it's always in the plural. The New Testament envisions churches that have in them more than one shepherd, more than one pastor to care for that flock. Shepherding the flock that Jesus has purchased is, is a team effort. Which is why in our church here at Green Tree, we have more than one. Paul, Eric, Pat, myself, and Kyle, we work together as a team to care for the flock that belongs to Jesus. That is right before us. This plurality approach to shepherding, it ensures that we will hold one another accountable encourage one another, and it allows for healthy growth in the church. Peter calls for elders to come together and care for Jesus' flock. And these ordinary men called to work together in team ministry must always remember that first and foremost, they are sheep. They are sheep before they are shepherds. The pastors of the church are first followers of Jesus. Needy sheep looking to be cared for by him in all ways necessary. That and that alone enables us to lead in the way that God calls us. So what are the pastors called to do? Verse 2, Peter says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Shepherd the flock of God. This, this metaphor of shepherd, shepherding has rich biblical history to it. This metaphor is, is pasted on the pages of our Bibles throughout the Old Testament of God caring for his people as the shepherd who looks after his flock and cares for their souls. The elders are appointed by God to care for the flock that is entrusted to him. So God has a people whom he loves and whom he cares for. And then a unique manifestation of God's people is this local body of believers. And so the under-shepherds, the pastors, are called to care for God's flock right here, right before us, and to exercise oversight. So this task of shepherding oversight, uh, it happens in many, many ways, but let's just look at four categories this morning to help us understand what pastors are called to do. The first category, pastors are to know the sheep in their flock. Pastors must know whom we are called to care for. This is what Peter says, the sheep, the flock that is among you. Pastors need to know who are those who are among us. Which is why in this local church, we care deeply about membership in the local church. Membership allows 
us to know who is a part of the flock, whom we are responsible to care for and to shepherd, to have oversight for. It is a a way for us together as a church to say, I am a part of this flock. I am eager and ready to be cared for here as God wills through his under shepherds. And we must not, pastors, we must not know just sheep by name on a membership role. We must, we must know the hearts of our people. We must pursue the hearts of our people. We are called to care for and to exercise oversight of God's flock. So we must know them personally. We must know their hearts so we are informed how best to care for those in our charge. Pastors are called to know their flock and they are called a good shepherd. He feeds his sheep. We are called to feed them. Paul, addressing Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, says to Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and Teaching, the word of God is the food that nourishes the souls of God's people. Faithful shepherds, faithful pastors will care for their flock by giving them the life-sustaining, soul-satisfying truth of God's word. We are called to feed them with God's Word, which is why we, we place such an emphasis on how that functions even in our Sunday meetings together. If, if you took notice this morning, the word was read at the beginning of our gathering so that God would speak to us at the outset. All of the songs that we sing are informed by scripture to give us rich and deep understanding of God's expression of love in feeding us. Which is why we place right, right in the middle of our singing another reading from God's word. Because we want to be informed by God and informed about God so that our worship is built on truth. Every time we gather on a Sunday, we seek to give you God's Word as we preach it. Not our opinions, but God's truth. We will finish our meeting this morning with another reading of God's Word because it's what you need. Shepherds are called to know their sheep, to feed their sheep. Shepherds are called to lead their sheep. The Old Testament is marked by the care of God for his people in how he leads them. God led them out of bondage, led them through the wilderness, led them to the promised land. Psalm 78 captures this when he says, then he led out his people like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. Sheep, they need to be led. They need to be led or they end up lost. The same is so with the people of God. 
God's people need to be led to faithfully live out the mission that God has called them to. Pastors lead in many ways. They, they look out over the flock, exercising this oversight, and they seek to give direction, calling, leading the sheep to where they believe God wants them to go. After we are finished preaching through 1 Peter, we're going to spend uh, several weeks uh, in a series just casting a vision for this church and where we believe God is calling us to go as a church. Your pastors have spent time in prayer and discussion thinking about this, exercising oversight. Where does God want to take this flock and how do we as under shepherds lead them? So we're going to spend weeks talking about that very thing. God's calling us to go this way. We will lead as God directs us. So we're to know, feed, lead, and under shepherds are called to protect the flock in their care. Shepherds in the ancient Near East used certain tools for their trade. They used the staff and they also used the rod. There's a photo. This is me and my uh, good buddy Brian uh, this is when I was at the pastor's college uh, in Louisville. Uh, and I'm the one on the right, by the way. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm holding a shepherd's staff. These are, are replicas of authentic shepherding tools. And Brian there is holding the rod. It's a, a shorter than the staff. You kind of handheld. It was small enough that you could tuck in, in your belt. But at the end, it, it kind of had like a, a hard uh, bulb on it. And shepherds... Uh, they would use this to protect the flock. This was used as a weapon. It could be thrown at predators, uh, used as a club to smack them on the head. The shepherd would use this, this weapon in defense of the flock. When necessary, shepherds would defend, put themselves between danger and their flock and use the rod to protect the sheep that was in their care. At times, shepherds also would need to use this tool to serve in a disciplinary function, ensuring the safety and the well-being of the flock to help uh, encourage the sheep back onto the right path. Pastors. Pastors are called as God's under-shepherds to protect God's people from danger. We use the word of God, the truth of scripture to point out dangers to the flock. Dangers of false teaching, dangers of worldly thinking to care for the flock in our care. Paul, when addressing the elders in the city of Ephesus, he talked about their need to protect the flock. He says this in Acts 20, verses 28 to 30. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce 
wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. There is an ever-present reality of the dangers that God's people face. And God has enlisted men to care for and protect his people from those dangers, bringing the truth of his word. So that is what pastors are called to do. Now, Peter wants to inform these elders and therefore us this morning of how we are called to carry out this task. How are pastors to shepherd and exercise oversight? The manner is just not, if not more important than the task itself. A few ways. The first one, the end of verse 2. Pastors shepherd not under compulsion, but willingly. Not under compulsion, but willingly, but with a whole-hearted desire. Paul says in 1 Timothy, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Those who are called to pastor God's church, God's flock, must do so willingly, not under compulsion. The task of shepherding the flock of God is to be done with with a joyful, voluntary heart attitude. Now, at first, we might be uh, confused a little bit that why would Peter feel it necessary to address those who, who are pastoring but doing so begrudgingly and under compulsion? Why would that be the case? Well, you might observe that this is all in the context of persecution and suffering. Trials coming upon the church. And if there are those serving to lead the church, not with willing wholeheartedness, when those trials arise, uh, they might be the first to go out the back door. Peter recognizes that when heat comes... There will be a temptation to grumble, to be tired by the task, and to quit. And so he, he reminds these elders that their hearts must be filled with a willingness to pastor God's flock. Pastors are to be, uh, they're to be glad volunteers of the task that has been given to them. The author of Hebrews in chapter 13 says this to the church. He says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. But let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be no advantage to you. God wants happy pastors. He wants happy pastors to care for his flock. By God's grace, he will enlighten their hearts to shepherd and care for his people. 
Church, God has been kind to your pastors because you are a church that is a joy to pastor. You are a flock that is eager for God's word in your life, eager to love and care for one another, eager to be together, encouraging to your pastors. You, you make it easy for your pastors to be glad volunteers. To be glad volunteers. So pastors must do this task willingly, not under compulsion. Second, they must do this Eagerly, eagerly, Peter says, and not for shameful gain. This term eagerly, this, this indicates that there should be zeal and enthusiasm for the task that has been entrusted to them. Titus 1.7 says this, For an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain. Pastors must not come to the task of shepherding God's people for shameful gain, for self-centered motives. We don't come to this task for money, for power, for recognition. Brothers, We must watch ourselves and each other in this regard. Because we know that pride is ever creeping along the pathways of our hearts to steal us away from eager shepherding. There is that temptation for our hearts to be hijacked for reputation, for power, For us to be known a certain way. So let us commit ourselves to each other. To watch our souls. That we would be glad volunteers. Enthusiastically eager to serve. As God's under shepherds. Finally. Pastors are to be. Examples to the flock. Examples to the flock and not domineering. Shepherds are to lead their flock, not in domineering ways, but as examples. Shepherds, when they shepherd their flock, do so by walking in front of the flock. Calling them to follow. Not usually driving the flock from behind. Tim Laniac, as I spoke of before, in one of his research studies was on a bus tour in the Near East. And on this bus tour, the the tour guide was explaining this very uh, important role that a a shepherd does in his task. That shepherds will will walk out in front of the flock and and with a a clear, strong voice or with a a discernible whistle will call the flock to follow them as they lead in the front. And as the tour guide was explaining this facet of shepherding, the bus pulled up alongside a small flock of sheep and goats with a man chasing and yelling at the sheep from behind, throwing rocks at them. 
This bugged the tour guide. And so as the bus stopped, the tour guide got off the bus to go and speak to this man to let him know that this behavior was not appropriate for a shepherd. This is not how you shepherd the flock. As the man looked confused at the tour guide and then explained to him the situation, the tour guide got back on the bus with a, a grin on his face and let the bus know that he was not the shepherd. He was the butcher. Shepherds, they walk in front of the flock to be examples, to care for the flock by leading them and calling them to follow, not by domineering over them. Jesus addressed this very thing in his day in Mark chapter 10. Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know that those who considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom. The very phrase that Jesus uses here, Lord it over, is the same word that Peter uses in domineering. Your pastors are called not to lord it over you. You have been entrusted to us by God. And so there is, there is temptation at times to exercise power in leadership in abusive ways. Uh, that's real. But pastors need to be reminded this very thing that Peter does in this verse, that those in our care have been charged to us by God. The sheep are not ours. They're his. And we are to steward these sheep with care and patience and gentleness, leading by example. Ed Clowney speaks of it this way. He says, the elder has authority. He is called to exercise a shepherd's oversight. Christ, the chief shepherd, has called him to exercise a shepherd's care. But the under-shepherd is not a stand-in for the Lord. He presents the word of the Lord, not his own decree. He enforces the revealed will of the Lord, not his own wishes. For that reason, any undermining of the authority of Scripture turns church government into spiritual tyranny. If church governors add to or subtract from the word of God, they make themselves lords over the consciences of others. Brothers, we humbly submit to God's call to patiently, gently lead this flock and we do it by this book. This will be our playbook our guide in caring for this flock. And at any point must we waver from this, we will be lording it over with our own opinions and our own insights. So, Peter 
calls these elders by his own humble example and exhortation to lead God's people willingly, eagerly, and by example. So brothers, brothers, how do we grow in this? How do we cultivate in our own lives a a readiness to this test, to be willing, eager examples for the flock that has been entrusted to us? Here's what we must do. We must daily attend to our own hearts. This is our tool for the work to which we have been called. Just as a good chef makes sure his ovens are in working order and mechanics make sure they have the wrenches they need and surgeons need sterile instruments, brothers, we need our hearts ready for the sacred task. We need our hearts prepared. And so we must attend to it daily and encourage one another to do so. John Piper says, pastors, the greatest threat to your ministry, that'll make your ears go up if you're a pastor, The greatest threat to your ministry, dear brothers, is that you lose your joy in God. Let us not let each other do that. Peter, the author of these words, you will remember at the end of John's gospel, he has the encounter with the risen Jesus who asks him the question, Peter, do you love me? Three times the Lord asks him, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus says, tend my sheep. Tend. It's the same word for shepherd. My sheep. Peter has his heart checked by the Savior himself so that he knows his love for Jesus is the means by which he must shepherd the sheep in his charge. Pastors faithfully care for the flock of God out of a love for God. We must grow deep in our love for God. See, the the distinguishing mark of the pastor is is not the title, but the example. See, brothers, these people, uh, they study us more than they study our sermons. (laughs) They look at our lives and our example. And notice even, notice the proportion that Peter takes in this text to talk about the manner of the task more than the task itself. That's because what the church needs most when suffering is on the horizon is not men with better skills, better tactics, better platforms, or more charisma, but men after the heart of God. The church needs men with the character of Jesus. And my My respect and love 
for these brothers that I have the privilege to serve with is so high because that's what they are. These are men who have hearts after God. Men who give the example and the character of Jesus. These are men I want to follow. These are men I want to be like. I'm grateful for you, brothers. I love you dearly. Church, while your pastors are genuine in striving to shepherd this flock willingly, eagerly, and to be examples, you must remember we are flawed men. We are flawed men. We want to serve with all our hearts to please the Lord, but at some point we will let you down. So we covet your patience and your prayers, and it will always be our privileged task to point you, not to ourselves, but to the flawless chief shepherd. He is the one that we will again and again point you to because he will never let you down. So that's how we do this. Finally and briefly, the why. Verse 4. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Brothers, there is a glorious reward given to faithful shepherds. Those who faithfully fulfill this call in a manner that pleases the Lord will receive a never-fading crown of glory. This, this is a familiar picture for the readers. It is a, an image of uh, an athlete in competition at the end of the competition receiving a, a wreath or, or a flowered crown on their head in victory. So we are motivated by this glorious reward. We look forward to that day. See, there are, there are many, many joys in serving as pastors, but the greatest joy comes at the end. And the glory of this reward is not the reward itself, but the one who gives it. The chief shepherd himself will reward his faithful shepherds. So, brothers, we look forward to that day and it propels us to serve in this day. Not only do we look forward to that day, but we want to serve as glad volunteers and we look back. The word shepherd in verse 2 is a verb. Let me, let me throw out some Greek grammar for us since I'm talking to the elders. This is uh, an aorist active imperative. What does that mean? This is a command that is grounded in something that has happened in the past. It is a command to us that is the result of something that has already taken place. And that thing that has already taken place gives rise to the action that is to take place in the present. Brothers, we shepherd today and the rise of our call to shepherd is because of something that has already happened. Namely, 
The chief shepherd himself has laid down his life for the sheep. Brothers, we look forward to the day when we will receive the crown of glory. But that day is only made possible because the chief shepherd himself on that day in the past received the crown of thorns and died to rescue his flock. Ed Clowney puts it this way. Faithful elders who receive the crowns of blessing from the Lord, they will cast their crowns before the throne of him who wore the crown of thorns for them. This, this task that we have been called to is unlike any other task. May we do it humbly, willingly, eagerly, and being examples. Because we're just ordinary men called to an extraordinary task and promised a glorious reward. Let's pray. God, you are, you are the faithful and good shepherd of your sheep. You love those whom you have called to know you and follow you. You have done everything to rescue and save them. And you entrust men to care for them until you come again. And so bless this local church. Strengthen our fellowship. Encourage us and strengthen us as shepherds to care for the flock that has been entrusted to us. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.